0: ever feel unable to focus tired and just low on energy we understand that feeling we understand it so well that the sports and the world podcast is brought to you by the couch Guys sports network and sponsored by our friends over at shock energy shock energy is a drink made by gamers for gamers all their flavors come packed with 180 milligrams of caffeine to ensure that no matter what you're doing your focus will always be razor sharp to keep you performing at the top of your game their formulas are designed to specifically give you high energy boost when you need it most while ensuring to avoid the jitters after too much caffeine consumption head over to www.shockenergy.com and use the promo code cgsn today for 10% off your order. Check out their green apple flavor box or even their watermelon flavor box. Oh, and don't worry, they ship worldwide. That's right, worldwide. Get your shock energy today and let us help you gain your focus and energy back. The Sports and the World Podcast is brought to you by ExoGun. Ever do a workout and feel like you need a massage after? Well get your massage without leaving the house. Don't let pain and soreness slow you down. ExoGun revives muscle, boosts circulation, and releases energy so you can recover faster and live better. Take it wherever you need it, work, the gym, the trail, and put the power of percussion massage treatment in your hands it's portable, adjustable, and powerful. Exogun is trusted by the pros to deliver the ultimate in recovery. Like we said before, you can even use it for percussion therapy. What is percussion therapy? Percussion therapy boosts muscle function and recovery by penetrating deep into the muscle tissue a series of rapid, concentrated, pulsating strokes. Gain back control of your body and achieve long-term pain relief with Exogun. Get 10% off with code CGS10 at checkout. Comes with a charger and carrying case. Go get your Excel gun today and treat yourself to a massage at a moment's notice. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us and how you're listening to us. Thank you for making the Sports and the World Podcast a part of your day. I'm Ladarius. And I hope all of you are well and safe out there. And with all that being said, let's jump on in. Big show, I think to me, you know, we're going to talk about Gronk's retirement and Browns' big picture. We're going to talk about Becky Lynch, but we'll get them when we get there. But I want to lead off with a topic. I want to lead with Deshaun Watson only because I just want to say my thoughts, kind of get it out of the way, because I think at some point many of us are kind of. I don't want to say over it, but it's in the news. It's, it's out there. So it's out there for consumption. So the attorney for the 24 plaintiffs in the civil lawsuits against the Cleveland Browns quarterback stated yesterday and said in a statement that 20 of the 24 cases are settled, which four remaining out there and let me be clear what i've seen on social media and by the way you can follow me on social media at ladares underscore brown and on instagram at ladares double underscore brown and tiktok at ladares underscore brown but what i've seen on social media is, is that if it made people like oh well we're gonna see deshaun out there in the field in 2022 and that's simply not going to happen and i'll get to that point to why in a minute now just because 20 out of the 24, a huge majority of his cases are settled. That does not equate, okay, he's out of the woods. Because the NFL has essentially said that it's not going to change how their sentiments on his suspension. And in the defense for Deshaun Watson, as well, look at the other owners. Yes, that's a very, we look at guys like Jerry Jones and, you know, Daniel Snyder and Robert Kraft. Why haven't they been suspended? Yeah, I I, I get that point and i'm not saying that's you know something to be ignored but what i'm saying is this we got to remember like look he's still going to get suspended why because listen i that new york times piece when it came out 66 you know contacts within a 17 month time frame that's pretty damning because if you break it down we're essentially talking about what? Almost four appointments in a month? Four different women in a month, essentially, appointment month. That's not a good look. And people are saying, oh, well, the, the lawsuits are gonna resolve theirs, so he, he's gonna play football. No, he's not, not this year. You know, or at least not all of the season. Because to me, the standard is eight games. But that's what Ben Roethlisberger got. That's the, the, the standard. If Big Ben got eight games and that's just, and I don't want to go down that road either because I'm still irked for a couple reasons about that, but but the point is Deshaun Watson will not play either all, will, will not play all of the 2022 season. I think you can lock it down, write it down. As for, will he miss the rest of the season? I don't know, but we, I think a lot of fans can understand. these. Some of these fans who made those comments, like, okay, well, he's gonna leave the... These are the same people who essentially said, well, he wasn't charged criminally, so he's innocent. That's not how it works. And I think I used this example before, but if I haven't, I'll use it now. O.J. Simpson was found not guilty of first-degree murder, murder, but he was found cr- civilly, civilly, civilly liable. I have a hard time saying civilly for some reason. He was found guilty in that realm. So just because you're innocent or or not pursue charges criminally does not equate to the fact that you're not, that you're off the hook. I, I thought that was kind of, you know, but anyway, the point is, I don't think Deshaun Watson will play a full 17 game schedule. And I still do believe that the league has to set the precedent here. And the lawyer... Listen, Deshaun Watson, the NFLPA, they're going to give him a great defense because that's what's in... That's, that's part of the... That, that, that's in there. And they're going to contend about, the you know, Schneider, Jones, and Kraft. And I'm not saying they don't have validity in those points. But what I'm saying is... We can't simply ignore what Deshaun Watson did. Because, listen, one person... Eh, five. Eh, but when over 20 women who don't know each other are saying the same thing and have interactions with the same person, it's very, very hard to ignore. And I think sometimes people in the media have to, you know, not saying all those in the media, but I feel like some, like, oh, well, you know, he's no. And I'll say this before we transition, understand this. As someone you know who's who took criminal justice, got, I'm still passionate about criminal, even though I didn't go further. I'm still passionate about criminal, I'm still passionate about the law. And look, you could hit somebody with a car, and then all of a sudden you could do these things, but it doesn't, you know, you're still going to go to jail. You could be a great person, you could be a great in the community, but there has to be consequences for the actions. And for Deshaun Watson, it it feels as though people are just you know whitewashing this. They're like they're taking the paintbrush and they're just trying to paint over it. No, Deshaun Watson may not have been found criminally liable, but civilly, as you can prove, twenty or twenty four. This is the same person who essentially said you know he he wanted to clear his name, and when you settle cases, you're doing it for one or two reasons. Either there's a part that's guilt or there's a part you just want to go away altogether. But in my strongest belief, it's important to understand that I find it hard to believe that 26, you know, was it, was it 26 I believe, but there's 24 civil complaint, civil lawsuits, that 20, over 20 women lie. I can't believe that. And I do believe the victims. I truly do. It's nothing to do with race. It's nothing to do with status. Just because two grand juries didn't say he didn't do anything, does not mean that he didn't do anything. Because like I said with OJ, OJ may have walked out of there and he didn't walk away in handcuffs for the murders of his wife and the friend, and Ron Goldman. But he was found liable from a civil perspective. Which essentially means that he was responsible, from a civil point of view. So, before I go down that rabbit hole, like I like I did last week or a couple of weeks ago. Sticking with football, let's transition to Rob Gronkowski. Retired eleven seasons, nine of which with New England, two with the Buccaneers, and like, look, he has four Super Bowls. He has the most receiving yards amongst tight ends in the playoffs, along with playoff touchdowns amongst tight ends with 15. He's fifth among tight ends in receiving yards, third in you know, receiving touchdowns, third in receptions. And he's had four seasons of four of a thousand or more receiving yards. Which is tied for second of the most. And Travis Kelsey has six. Which means that Travis Kelsey, you know, we could argue that, listen, he 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 could be a Hall of Famer in his own right. My point is when it comes to Rob Gronkowski, he he's he has he's a Hall of Famer. Because here's the thing, he's second in Patriots history in receiving yards, first all-time in receiving touchdowns. I could argue and make a case when you think of the Patriots dynasty. I think of 3 to 4 players. Obviously Tom Brady. I think of Adam Vinatieri. And I think of Rob Gronkowski. I, I don't think that's conjecture or, or hyperbole to say that. It is that Rob Gronkowski was just as integral and as important to the Patriots dynasty as any other, you know, as Brady and who I have. And then you, you delve in deeper. I love using pro football Reference. They're amazing. I use it, you know, when I write my articles for Sportskeeda. I trust their stats because I love stats. I'm, you know, I'm a stat nerd to a certain extent. Listen, they have a Hall of Fame, you know, monitor for each position. So when I went and looked at the Hall of Fame monitor score for, you know, for for Gronkowski, basically the average for the tight end in the Hall of Fame, for the average, you know, for the Hall of Fame members who are tight ends, the average Hall of Fame monitor score was 97. Gronkowski is at 98.72. And then before you say O'Durus, it's pretty close. There are six tight ends in the Hall of Fame who have lower scores than Gronk that are in the Hall of Fame. They have lower Hall of Fame monitor scores per pro football reference. He's the Hall of Famer. Because to me, when I look at a Hall of Fame player, because when we ask these questions, and I say this to, about when we talk about basketball or baseball, any sport, I always ask two questions. The first question is, were you dominant at your position for a stretch, for, you know, for a stretch of your career? Were you one of the best players at your position in the area you played in? And that sounds like a rudimentary question but when I get, when I think of Tony Gonzalez, check the box. Shannon Sharp, I can check the box. And I think of Rob Gronkowski, I can check that box too. For a stretch of time, Rob Gronkowski was the best tight end in football. 4,000 yard receiving seasons. There's a lot of guys, listen, he has more than Shannon Sharp, who had three. So when, when you start mentioning his name around the likes of Sharp and, and Gonzalez, he's in the conversation. Same thing I say about Terry Lowens. Yes, I, the whole off the field stuff, okay. But when I can mention his name around arguably who many people feel is the best receiver of all time and Jerry Rice, he's a Hall of Famer. Because for a stretch of time, T.O. is one of the better receivers and probably one of the best receivers in football. So that's my first question. I look at the Hall of Fame criteria. My second question is: Is that in your era, were you the best player on your team at some points, or were you one of the top three players on your team? Because it's one thing. when we talk about Hall of Famers. There are many. There have been many players who've been great players on the team, but not necessarily a top three player. Like like I mentioned. Listen, Gronkowski and Brady, you know, of Gronkowski's 92 career touchdown passes, Brady threw 90 of them. So yeah, he was kind of important in Brady's career, even though it's a microcosm of Brady's touchdowns overall. But Gronkowski was just as important. And I felt like Gronkowski was a top player of the Patriots for a long time too. He dominated his era and he's one of the better players on his team. That's the criteria. It's why I argue that why Shannon Sharp is not in the Hall of Fame. Excuse me, Sterling Sharp, Shannon Sharp's brother. I apologize. Is that there was a there was a a MVP year that Brett Favre won that you could have made a case for Sterling Sharp. I don't want to get the year. I want to say like that 90, yeah, One of those you know, where Brett Favre won back to back to that. A large part of it was thanks to Sterling Sharp was injuries, he'd probably be in the Hall of Fame. We wouldn't have this conversation. But but it circles around to this point. You know, Sterling Sharp didn't play a lot of years in the league and Gronk played 11, while well, guys like Sharp and Gonzalez, we're talking almost 15, 20 years. It's about quality, not quantity. Because think about this. When you go to the store and you buy food, I I like bananas. I, I like apples. You know, I, I'm you know, I'm a big guy, but I like my fruits. I like to eat health. You know, healthy when, you know, I'm not all steaks and burgers, which aren't which isn't bad either. But circle back to the point. Every banana in that bunch may not be great. There could be six bananas in that bunch, but maybe four of them are are like. Primo, good. The other two, they're eh, okay. You're, you'll eat them, but it doesn't take away from the quality of the overall bunch. And look at Gronkowski. Yes, injuries, you know, he you know played a big part. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe not playing longer, but it does not take away from the body of work he did in the time that he had. So when people focus on, well, I've been at my job 30 years. Well, of those 30 years, how many of those were like solid years? And it's not knocking your work, but you could be at a job 30 years and still not get recognized for the work that you do. While people who've been at their job five, 10 years have accomplished so much, quality, not quantity. When people talk about me about only time we talk about quantity is when we talk about money, and when we talk about supplies, but not about your, you know, long, you know, how long did you play? The question is, what did you do in the time frame that you were in the league and at your job? What did have you accomplished? In eleven seasons, Gronkowski four Super Bowls. The second listen the most receiving yards amongst tight ends in the playoffs and touchdown passes and catches. He's a hall of famer. Don't let 11 seasons be like, ah, that's not long enough. Like, stop it. He accomplished in 11 years, the same, you know, maybe what Shannon Sharp did, but that does not take away from Shannon Sharp's career because his numbers are equally great. My point is that the biggest detractors who tell me that Gronkowski is not a Hall of Famer are the same people who say, well, he, you know, you make up excuses. But when I ask you to rank your top five tight ends, Gronkowski's on, the, on your list. If he's not on your list, then you throw out the list. To me, as a wrestling fan, which we're gonna get to it shortly, it's like when people come, listen, if you're doing a uh, some sort of Mount rushmore or top 5 list. To me, if you don't have The Undertaker or Bret Hart on your list, throw away the list. Like but like you can make a case that's for Austin too. Or for C- if you don't have certain people on your list of all-time greats, you don't come at me. It's like yeah, it's the whole if if you don't think Jordan's a top 5 player, then either you're too young or Jordan hurt your feelings, you know, <laughs> in his career. But to me, Gronkowski is a Hall of Famer. It's not debatable to me. So when he, you know, when that time comes, he could come back this year. But I feel like Gronk wants to transition to another part of his career. I think it's not like with Brady, where he sits out and wants to miss all of these things. I I think that when you see Gronkowski doing other things, I think. He wants, to, he wants to turn that chapter and i and i could be wrong but i think Gronk could be done so i don't know but before we transition to brown's big picture one more time i want to reiterate you can listen to this episode and every episode of the sports in the world podcast apple spotify wherever you get your podcast once again the socials at sports the world on both twitter and TikTok tock at double underscore brown on instagram and if you check out the social media today. I posted today's sports in the world trivia question. So head over to my Twitter and head over to the TikTok and to Instagram, head to the social media to get that question and drop your answers below as well. And with Facebook, I that, that'll probably kick up football season. Uh, I'm still figuring out things on the Facebook. But that being said, let's jump into my big picture. Something that I feel that like we don't talk about enough on this show and I it about, you know, you know I love me some wrestling. Oh, 25 plus, yeah. I, I'm all in. And I watch not only just WWE, I watch AEW, I watch Impact, I watch NWA, which which is pretty good. I suggest you go on YouTube and check it out. And you know, there's none of hours in the day, obviously. But but I want to talk about something that I shared on Twitter about Becky Lynch. And to me, it's about the concept of storytelling. And I think I remember seeing Chris Van Fleet talk about this when the argument is that, well, wrestling is staged and there's a script. Well, he made the point where movies are too. But not only did he go to that extent, he talks about, well, you kind of know what's gonna happen in movies too. If you if you kind of watch the first couple of, you know, minutes of a movie, you can kind of figure what's out gonna, what's gonna happen. So this whole Becky Lynch situation when since she came back at, you know SummerSlam last year, she fought Bianca, lost the title, and you're trying to figure out her character. And one of the things that I, I think is, is fascinating is that well like well she lost to Dana Brooke. She's lost to Oscar. She lost to Oscar again. Oh, what are they gonna do with 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 Becky Lynch? I hear this, I see it, and some people are like oh, I don't like this. It's not storytelling. Like stop it. If you don't understand storytelling, it's no different than a movie. Some there are some movies where the pace is super slow in telling a story, but when the story picks up, you're going to be intrigued. That's how I feel about Becky Lynch. I feel that this is Becky Lynch, a champion. And she's building the storyline where we don't know her path. It's kind of akin, and someone mentioned this, to her, you know, to, to Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins needed somebody to face at WrestleMania. And then we all knew Cody Rhodes came back, but it was the journey there that made it fascinating. And with Becky Lynch, now you're naturally curious to see that here we are in June and we have no idea what Becky Lynch's path is and its storytelling. Becky Lynch is one of the, the top stars in the whole company, male or female. I'll double down on that. And one of the things that's being told is that, well, you know, she's being punished for her comments, no. Well, if she's being punished for her comments, well, it it backfired. Because to me, there are fans out there, not those who, how can I phrase it? They just see Becky losing and think, oh, well, she's fell off the face of the earth. No, I still believe that there's a story for Becky. Because let's be clear, you don't need a championship to be relevant to tell a story, period. That it's it's absolute nonsense. So, so her feuds with Oscar, she'll get back to a championship at some point in her career. But that's not the priority now. Becky is so established that she doesn't need a championship. Anybody she steps into the ring with, or she competes with, like look at look at Dana Brooke. That was easily Dana Brooke's biggest win of her career. And how long has she been in that company? think about that and that's not a knock on dana bro but that's easily the biggest winner of her career because not a lot of women have pinned becky lynch in the last year and a half so think about that and consume that also what's making her a favorite of mine is becky lynch and the power of the microphone the power of the promo when she's out there and she's out there arguing with, you know, with Adam Pierce in the, ba- it's that banter. It's like, you believe it. It's just like any good movie, you're invested in it. And that to me is great storytelling. Cause a movie, whether it's Marvel or whether it's uh Martin Scorsese film, whether it's Spielberg, you know, whether it's a Tyler Perry film, whatever. The film, a film, one of the film's goals should be to convey a story. And that's what's happening with Becky Lynch. Right now, Becky Lynch is down, but she's not out. She's she's fighting her way back to the top. And I love it. I don't see losing as failure or burying somebody. With all due respect to fans that believe that, it's they, they're focused on the short term, not the long term. And I got burdened with that when it came to Zelina Vega. because Zelina Vega was losing when she had came back. And then I'm like, oh man, they're burying her. Then someone reminded me, you know, she could be queen of the ring and sure enough she was. And and I remembered that and I said, and it, cause I fell off, I used, I, I always believed in it for Zelina. I fell off that track for some reason and I apologize. But it's about being invested long-term. Cause this is June. We got Money in the Bank. You know, we got SummerSlam. Becky Lynch will be at SummerSlam. Who will she face? I don't know. But it's about being invested. And I think if anything as a wrestling fan, you have to be in the storytelling. Look at all the great feuds in wrestling. Whether it's been, you know, Austin Rock, you know, whether it's Bret Hart back in the day with, uh, so, All those great feuds started with great storytelling. And while it took you, sometimes it was instantaneous, sometimes it took a while, but it got there. And that's what makes a match great. It's the storytelling. You could tell a story in the ring. And with Becky Lynch, it's no different. When you see Becky Lynch fight, you're seeing the story of someone who's down, but she's not out yet. She's not gonna give up. So I'm a Becky Lynch, truther believer whatever you want to how you want to conjecture it that's how i feel but speaking of how i feel i feel that we're out of time for this week's episode of the sports of the world podcast once again listening to this episode and and every episode of the podcast where i've talked to the last clip i've talked to chris robin great dfs person tanya ray fox who i hope to have on again to talk more wrestling because she's she's a wrestling fan and she's absolutely absolutely one of the best and so go back and take a, a listen at those as well if you can but until you hear or see me again i'm ladarius be real be you be blessed and be safe from all of us here from the sports and the world podcast